But yeah, we're going to be in Mark chapter 6. So I want to kind of go through the majority of this um, tonight, but starting at um, kind of verse 7. Actually, let me pray for us. Is that cool? That is cool. That is cool. A little scattered. Cool. So, Lord, we just, uh, we just, we just say that our focus is yours tonight. Lord, I pray that you would just saturate us with your presence, that there would just be a deep, deep awareness and reverence of who you are tonight. And that, Lord, all of the words that are spoken, that they would, that they would strike us, that they would cut us deep, that they would stay with us, Lord. Um, and that uh, uh, a deaf ear wouldn't be turned to any of the words that are spoken tonight. So, Lord, I, I pray that your Holy Spirit would prepare us, um, that, Holy Spirit, you have brought us all here tonight so that you have, so we know that you have something for us tonight. So I, I ask you just uh, that you would speak clearly, that you would illuminate your word to us, um, and that you would, again, make something stand out to us so that we could be drawn in a deeper, um, deeper relationship, deeper reverence, and um, everything deeper with you, Lord. So, Lord, we just love you, and in Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Hi, Savannah. Hi, Savannah. Nice. So, like I said five times already, um, we're going to be in Mark chapter 6 tonight. Um, and uh, we're going to be primarily, I think, focusing on verse 30 in Mark chapter 6, but I want to kind of set this up before um and uh and go from there all righty all righty nice so starting in verse seven i'll just read it to you guys real quick and then uh we'll see where the see where the wind takes us um and he called this is verse seven in chapter six and he called the twelve and began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over the unclean spirits. He charged them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bread, no bag of money, uh, sorry, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not to put two tunics or two changes of clothes. And he said to them, whenever you enter a house, stay there until you depart from there. And if any place will not receive you and they will not listen to you, when you leave, just shake that dust off of your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out and proclaimed and the peop that the people should repent. And they cast out many, many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. Okay? So obviously you know that I love this because there's healing, there's deliverance, there's all these kinds of things captured in this one little chunk. And... There's this amazing thing. There's a, this, this, this amazing thing that Jesus gives them authority, right? He gave them authority over unclean spirits. That's pretty cool, first off, yeah? I don't know about you guys, but having authority over anything um, in opposition of the kingdom of heaven is cool, right? Mm -hmm. Whether I acknowledge that over my own life or not, I think that is amazing, right? The same thing is given to us. Um, I'm, you, you, I hope, already know that. Um, but at the, I, I guess my point is that Jesus gives authority. He doesn't 
hold authority. He doesn't reel back authority he freely and says, use it, right? And actually equips. He actually says, I'm going to give you this authority and then I'm going to send you two by two to then use this authority, right? Some of us understand that we've been given authority, but we're not using that authority, right? And mm. I, I know that that was a good word. You don't need to tell me, but I'll say it again. Sometimes we understand that Jesus gives us authority and we just hang on to it, you know? Um, but some of us need to understand that we need to use that authority, okay? Not in a, I'm going to tell you what to do, um, <laughs> I'm going to box you around kind of way, but this is a led by the Holy Spirit kind of authority. Yes, we know that we know that we have it, but are we in tune enough? Are we listening enough? Do we care enough to actually start using it? Right. This not only does take a big trust. This also really does take a big faith. Correct. Right. Mm -hmm. I have to trust in the Lord that yes, he's going to come through, but then this faith thing comes into play where I actually have to use it. Right. Some of us call things that are faith trust all the time or vice versa. Right. Do you understand that? Does that make sense so far? Yeah. Good. Yeah. Okay. Pretty, pretty, pretty important that we capture this. Jesus is over demons and we as disciples of Christ have authority over them in the name of Jesus. Correct? I can't all of a sudden just say, all right, I declare that I have authority. No, it's given to me. Mm -hmm. How? By the name of Jesus. How? By his blood being poured out. Correct? Right? He had to pour out his blood in order for us to be able to walk in that same anointing. Does that make sense? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Great. We have power because Jesus has power, right? Okay. This all reminds me of a skit that I saw um, a long time ago. Uh, reminds me of a skit uh, where there were all these things in this girl's life. There were like, and demons were texting her and, and texting her with thoughts and using people in her life to tempt her and walk away from the Lord. Um, but then all she does is say the name Jesus and they wince, you know, all the demonic winces and like, it goes like this and kind of like, ah, that, that name intimidates me kind of thing. Right. And, and, uh, she says it again and again until she just yells it with a authority. She yells Jesus with an authority and they all fall dead on the ground. Right. Just kind of a cool little skit. And, and, and that, that's the kind of power that we do have right? I don't know if you need a visual representation, but that is what the name of Jesus actually carries, right? Not because of the actual verbiage of that word, not because it is spelled J-E-S-U-S, -S, but because of what, because of everything that's tied up behind that name, the demonic loses, the demonic falls, the demonic even bows. Isn't that mind-blowing? <laughs> that's the Jesus that saved us that's the jesus that hung himself on a cross and i say hung himself because he knew what he was doing the moment he was born right he he said yes i will leave the throne father i will leave the throne father so that we can have our people back that's amazing 
Um, and that, that alone, I don't know about you guys, that alone makes me want to wake up and trust in him and have a whole buttload of faith in him. Yeah. But anyways, back on topic, Jesus is sending his people out to go with authority and preach repentance. To preach repentance. Why repentance? Because uh, it's a that's that's it. Because that's the key. That's the uh, how do I say it? That's the key to the kingdom. Right? I can't just walk around life being sin, sin, sinner. Right? Um, and expect that when I knock on the door of those gates, that doesn't make sense. When I try to go into those gates, that he's just going to say, "Yeah, come on in." No. This life that we are living in, you know, some of you guys call me harsh when I preach, and it's because uh, I bring a I bring a uh, a sermon of repentance pretty much every single week to you, and yeah, sometimes it is harsh. Sometimes it does poke those areas of your life that you don't want to give up, right? But at the mm -hmm. end of the day, that is what we are supposed to do, right? I would be doing you a disservice if I didn't invite you into repentance. Same thing with Jesus. If if Jesus didn't invite me into repentance, what a shame that would be, right? It's it's very very important, I guess. Yeah, well, it is. It's very very important. It is. It's the end all be all, right? I can say I trust in Jesus all day long, but if nothing changes, I don't trust in Him at all. Mm -hmm. So Jesus tells them just to go out with a staff. Just go on. Here's your staff. Don't take no food, no bags, no money. And they go out preaching repentance, healing people of disease, and exercising demons. We've read this, yeah? <laughs> You've probably read this story, or it's been quoted to you somehow, some way, but like, do you see the simplicity of what was captured here? And yeah, I know we're reading out of Mark and it's like, okay, here you go. Here's the summary of what happened. But at the end of the day, this is the simplicity of what Jesus called his disciples to do at this point. And I believe, and hear this, I believe that's what he's still calling us to do. I still believe he's calling us to do this. Talk to people about repentance, not in a judgmental, hypocritical kind of way where I'm better than you. No, that's not repentance. That's you flexing your ego right? But in, hey, the gospel, the gospel itself led me into repentance. The first time I heard the gospel, I was like, oh man, I'm not good, <laughs> right? I'm not good. I need something more. I'm, I need something more. And yeah, the first gospel I accepted was so that I didn't have to go to hell, right? And I'm sure some of you guys resonate with that, right? It's like, all right, I, don't, I just don't want to go to hell, and I am going to say this prayer so that I don't go to hell. But there's more. There's way more than that. That's just a kind of a, I almost view it right today as a byproduct. Yeah, it's a perk, but it's not the end-all be-all of why I love Jesus. Does that make sense? Yeah. I want to be used by Jesus. That's it, right? I want to be a little puppet that he's got on a string and he's saying, hey, dance for me, Lex. Dance for me. You know, dance for me, dance for me, dance for me. Oh, oh, oh. 
Nice one. His favorite song. <laughs> okay. So, that makes sense? Yep. Like my little intro there? That was pretty good, yeah? Yeah. Just got you ready. Got you ready. Thank you, Lex. Very cool. Okay. So, um, again. Do you hear that? Intro's done. Timer goes off. Yeah. Popcorn. Just joking. That was the dryer. Um, so today, again, we're going to talk about faith and trust, okay? Um, so I don't want to look over this first lesson where Jesus says, don't take any bread, don't take any money, don't take any bag, don't take a change of clothes, don't take a phone charger, don't take a blow dryer, don't take the conditioner. Yeah. No? No funny? I need the conditioner. That was a good point. <laughs> The amazing part is, is he says, don't take anything but a stick in your hand. And they say, okay. I'm going to go to somewhere I've never been before. With no money in my pocket. No change of clothes, which would drive me up the wall. No nothing. And all the disciples just like, oh, cool. All right, let's do it. They shrug their shoulders and say, okay, bye, Jesus. See on the other side, mm -hmm. right? Obviously, it doesn't say that they shrug their shoulders, um, but it's the way I read it sometimes. I'm just, this is not me adding to the scripture, okay? So you freaking people. All right, so um, big trust, right? And this is, this is amazing. Take nothing with you, that is trust, correct? I have to trust on the Lord for literally everything if I have nothing. Mm -hmm. right this is not an excuse for a impoverished mindset where i'm going to just say well i'm lacking because god told me to no that's you being an idiot okay so you hear that no smiling at that one because like, oh man he's talking about me yeah i get it okay um so he is he he he's calling them into taking nothing okay um and preach to all the people that they talk to that they're missing the mark and that they are sinners. Holy cow, can you imagine that charge? Easy, yeah. sir. And I, I, sure, I've used the excuse before, like, oh, that was Jesus in the flesh standing right before them. How could they not trust him? I'm sorry, like, maybe you trust me to some extent. Could you imagine me saying that to you and being like, all right, right? What about the most trusted person in your entire life, right? And they say, hey, I want you to go with one other person, and I want you to go with nothing but, the, the, but a stick in your hand and clothes on your back, and I want you to go tell this, this other nation that they are sinners and that they need Jesus, that they need the Lord. I don't know about you guys, but uh, that's not something I would immediately jump to. Um, I would need many, many confirmations, especially if it was not from God Almighty. Does that make sense to you guys? Just track them with me. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then there's this side of it that there's some seriously big faith being flexed here as well. 
the guys, and while you're doing this, while you have nothing, and while you're telling them that they're all sinners, I want you to also cast out the demonic and heal their sicknesses. Right? This is where faith comes into play, correct? And I don't know about you guys, but again, that all sometimes intimidates me. Especially if I haven't ministered to this group for a very, very long time. You know, like what if I'm wrong and they actually don't have that demon? You know, <laughs> how awkward would that be? Mm. Right? Hey, I'm here to tell you that you're a sinner. I know that that's right. But here's the part that I'm still up, <laughs> up in the air about. I, I think you have a demon and I need to exercise it out of you right now. Can you imagine? And, and let me clarify, this all still happens today, right? Have you heard of this before? You guys are looking at me like I am yep. talking about something you've never heard before. The demonic still exists. Maybe it's not as prevalent as you think it should be, but it still exists. That's amazing, right? That's an amazing call from Jesus, our Messiah, to say, all right, go tell everybody that they're sinners and then cast out demons and heal people. And I want you to name drop me, guys. I want you to use my name, guys. I want you to cast out demons in my name, in Jesus' name. Right? You mm -hmm. see the amount of trust that Jesus had in them? Right? Some, sometimes I'm like, hey, just don't tell me, don't, whatever you do, just sometimes, like, don't mention my name when you're about to go do that thing, right? Because, like, I don't want you dragging my name through the mud kind of thing. But Jesus is saying, hey, I trust you guys with this mantle. Take it, walk with it well, and do it. You see the beauty in that? Mm -hmm. It goes both ways here, right? And just like Zach was saying earlier, like, there's a lot that Jesus can do with a yes. There's a lot that he can do with a yes. And the, the disciples and the, the followers here said yes. And ta-da, right? Ta-da, it actually happened, right? We not only get in that just little chunk of scripture, we not only get to see the um, commissioning and the calling to, to the disciples to go do it, but they, we also get to see at the very end the accomplishment and the success of them doing it right that's a really cool it's super super encouraging to me right do you think that they had to trust and have faith in the lord at this moment right mm -hmm. this was like step one <laughs> step one because the rest of chapter six which we're going to go into is like oh gosh there's a lot coming right that's step one. I want you to tell everybody that they're sinners and then cast out demons and heal people. Step one. That's what Jesus commissioned them to do first. Wow. Okay? You'll understand that as maybe we read the rest. But, you know, what's to come is Jesus feeds 5,000, and all they have to do is gather up what they have. Right? Mm -hmm. So step one, hey, you're a sinner. <laughs> and now. Demon, bye-bye. Sickness, bye-bye. Do you guys get this? 
Yeah. All right. Then verse 14, let me just read this. Oh, actually, I'll summarize this. Verse 14 through like, I think 27 is all about the death of John the Baptist. Okay. If you know anything about John the Baptist, he's like Jesus' best friend. Okay. Like mm -hmm. one of one of the first heroes of the faith is John the Baptist. He was the first one to ever wake up to this call and take up this mantle. Right? Where did he come from? Oh, he came out of the middle of the wilderness, wrapped in sackcloth with honey in his beard, kind of thing, right? And <laughs> locust legs in his beard, right? And he came out of the wilderness, and his first words that he spoke was, hey, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Wow, okay, cool. So John the Baptist got this. And now, after they just got back from their entire, I guess, quote-unquote, mission, if I can say that without sounding Mormon, um, after they get back from their, from their commissioning and their mission that Jesus called them to, then all of a sudden they find out that John the Baptist was beheaded. And that he was paraded through town on a silver platter. His head was paraded through town on a silver platter, rubbing it into all of the believers' face. Wow. Okay. Strong flex, but okay. Um, it, it's fascinating to me. It's fascinating. Okay. So then let's pick up verse 27. And it reads... Let me find it. Oh, here it is. Here. Verse 27. And immediately the king sent an executioner with orders to bring John's head. He went and beheaded him in the prison and brought his head on a platter and gave it to the girl. And the girl gave it to her mother. And when his disciples heard of it, they came and took his body and laid it in a tomb. Can you imagine? And I can't, I could, I could back this up a lot more if I took a little bit more time to study this concept, but just, and this is all life experience based just on what I've seen in my own life and others' lives, okay? This is not my entire sermon, so I will preface it with that. But isn't it weird that after they got back, after doing such a work for the kingdom of heaven, then something horrific happens right? Some tragedy happens. And what that is, is not, oh, the Lord didn't want me to go do that, obviously, right? It is more of, all right, well, I frustrated the devil. I intimidated the devil. What a cool thing that I get to walk in. Mm -hmm. I get to in my flesh, commissioned with all authority in the name of Jesus, get to intimidate the devil. Do I in my flesh, myself, the name Lex Martin? No, that does not intimidate the devil. He laughs at me, okay? But me understanding who I am as a son of God Almighty with a red tint of Jesus' blood shown in the supernatural, Boom, I intimidate the devil. That's cool. Right? But, you know, sometimes after you do such a great work, things happen. Right? That is not a time to recoil. 
<laughs> right? And this is where I see a lot of recoiling happen in modern day Christianity. This is where reco recoil city happens right here. Oh, I, I went and had this amazing moment with the Lord, and then here I come, boom, tragedy hits, and then I don't even know if Jesus is real. I hope you heard the turn in my voice, because that's how you sound. Right? Woe is me. I don't know if Jesus is real. After you just got back from doing whatever, right? And I'm not saying that the disciples did this. I'm saying that we do this. Okay? The disciples just knew what to do. They took up his body, blessed him, buried him, and then moved on. It's one of the first moments in scripture where, or let me say it this way, one of the first moments in New Testament where somebody died for their faith, a.k.a. a martyr, right? And what an honor, right? And it wasn't like John the Baptist was poking and prodding and, and like, hey, hey, why don't you kill me for the glory of God? No, that's stupid. That's reckless. No, it was, all right, I am serving the Lord as he is commissioning and calling me to. And the devil is upset. Does this make sense so far? Mm -hmm. It's fascinating. Fascinating. Okay. Can you imagine being a disciple of Jesus right now in where, where we're at in Mark 6? Can you imagine? Things just got real for the first time ever, right? Everything else was, all right, just keep on trusting me. Keep on following me, right? And then all of a sudden, one of your best friends is dead. One of your best friends who was doing the same exact thing that you were doing was just killed. Right? I, I don't know about you guys, but something in that like messes me up. But they go pick up his body and then lay him in a tomb. Right? And then they get back to work. And that's where verse 30 picks up. Okay? Verse 30, and I'm going to read to 32 real quick. This is the, apostle, the apostles. Now they're um, referred to as apostles. Very interesting. Um, the apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going. And they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in a boat to a desolate place by themselves. Okay. So they get back. Correct. They get back after burying John. And then they go rest and camp for a little bit. Right. They go take a nap, relax, kind of unwind. They just had a, a jam-packed schedule of itinerant ministry. Correct. <laughs> just the most amazing ministry that you could ever do. Um, and that was the standard back then. I don't know what happened, but I won't go into that tonight. Okay. I, I promise I won't go into that. You'll probably feel a little uncomfortable if I go into that. Okay. Um, but Jesus tells them to go take a nap and unwind. Okay. 
And after that, they get on a boat and they go somewhere. They float ashore and word got out that Jesus is coming to town. Okay? Jesus had compassion on them and his heart broke for them. And it reads, they were sheep without a shepherd. Correct? I guess I didn't read that yet. Sorry. Let me read that real quick. 33. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they ran down there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. Uh, how? I don't know. Isn't that cool, though? Like, how did they know? Hmm. Does that fascinate anybody? <laughs> I've got some, got some theories on that one, but again... Okay, uh, verse 34, they went, and when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd, and he began to teach them many things, and when it grew late, his disciples came to them and said, this is a desolate place, and the hour is now late, okay, so Jesus um, was doing what he does best, was teaching, correct? Yes. He was teaching, okay? And um, I lost my spot, sorry. And apparently Jesus was talking for a very, very long time because people got hungry. Okay. Uh, this wasn't the same kind of, I'm going to fall out of a window maybe long time, but they were at least hungry enough where people were starting to get a little antsy. Then in verse 35, it's interesting that it almost has this tone that the disciples were waving in the back of the, of the group saying, hey, time check, dude. Hey, people are getting hungry, man. Like, maybe tie a bow on this sermon. Uh, it's great, Jesus, but like, maybe tie a bow on it, right? I'm sure you guys can relate to that. Um, Amen. <laughs> um, and then... And envision this, you know, kind of set the scene, kind of set the scene that you are actually in this place. You, I see just a ton of people gathered around Jesus and the disciples are waving their arms again in the back, pointing their wrists, saying, check the time, Jesus. And finally saying, wrap it up. It's getting too late. Everybody's hungry. And then Jesus replies and says, you give them something to eat, right? In verse 36, um, sorry, verse 37, he answered, you give them something to eat, right? And their reply is, then shall we go buy something? We don't have much money, right? That's, a, 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 you give them something to eat. They just got back, Jesus. You told them to go with nothing. You think they profited out there, Right? They're still wearing the clothes that they had on from however long ago, right? Mm -hmm. They still just have the stick in their hand, those nasty clothes, and no money and no food except for the last meal that they ate at somebody's house, right? You see yeah. this? You see mm -hmm. the scene that's set here, right? And Jesus has this reply and says, Go give them something to eat. If that's me, I'm pooping my pants. <laughs> Why? Why would I poop my pants in that moment? Because <laughs> Jesus looked at me 
took his, his took all of his attention off of the crowd and then puts me on the spot in front of all of these people right i don't know what your title says but this says 5000 jesus looks at me in front of 5000 people and says you give them something to eat holy crap <laughs> right can you imagine can you imagine being in that stance can you imagine looking at jesus and him saying you give them something to eat you just got back casting out demons healing people telling people that they're sinners at least you got a nap you still got those nasty clothes on you don't have any money you got a stick in your hand you give them something to eat but jesus you told me i, I shouldn't take any bread but jesus you told me that i shouldn't take any money i can't even go to the store jesus right do you see the scene that's set here? Mm -hmm. I hope I'm communicating this properly. And it's interesting, their reply, they almost get a little sassy with Jesus, right? A little hangry with Jesus here, right? So <laughs> what, you want us to go buy 200 denarii worth of bread? Right? And in my American mind, 200 denarii means nothing to me. But to put it in perspective, the disciples knew what 200 denarii means or meant. That's better. They knew what it meant. And here's what it meant. They knew what, what it would take to feed all of these people. The disciples already did an inventory. They already examined, oh, shoot, there's a lot of people here. We need 200 denarii. 200 denarii is eight months of labor eight months salary which in those terms back then i did a little bit of math it's the first time i've had to use math in a little bit to preach a sermon um but 200 denarii was about fourteen thousand dollars worth of bread now it now does it seem like you'd crap yourself a little bit oh yeah jesus puts you on the spot says hey you need to go buy fourteen thousand dollars worth of bread <laughs> that blows my mind and then jesus says this fascinating thing i'm, I'm gonna try to summarize throughout the rest so i can get what i get to the end Jesus looks at them and says, go grab what you have. Go grab what you have. Okay. Oh, my gosh. This is freaking mind-blowing to me. Go grab what you have, which was five loaves <laughs> and two fish. Go grab what you have. Could you imagine how small you would feel coming back to Jesus with five loaves and two fish in your hand because that's all i mean that would be one person carrying that right it's not like you need a bunch of guys to come carry five pieces of bread and some fish right correct mm -hmm. speaking a different language tonight i don't need two guys to carry that right so somebody carries this back 
<laughs> Somebody carries this back and says, all right, here's what we've got, Jesus. Imagine being that guy, right? Imagine nope. being that guy who has to go up to Jesus, walk up to Jesus in front of 5,000 people who are hungry, and you, who, who Jesus just looked at and said, hey, give them something to eat, and you walk back with five pieces of bread and two fish. <laughs> like, how small. Right? I can almost, if I were there, I could almost hear the, the, the giggles of the crowd. Right? The scoffs of the crowd. Right? But Jesus looks and says, okay, great. And I just see Jesus smile really big and look at all the people gathered and say, all right, everybody, you guys ready to eat? Right? You see this? You, am I, like set the scene here in your eyes, right? This is cool. Jesus looks at looks at you and says, "Get." Looks at the disciples and says, "Separate them in groups of fifty and a hundred, right? Fifty and a hundred, uh, and just groups of fifty and a hundred. Like that's how many people were there, right? That's amazing. First off, but whatever. The disciples <laughs> say, "What is up with this guy? What happened while we were gone? Right?" If it, I'm just putting myself in the story. Like all of a sudden Jesus thinks that he can freaking feed 5,000 with some bread and fish, single digit bread, single digit fish. <laughs> and then Jesus says to get them in groups, get them in groups, get them in groups. Then the disciples are thinking something. They're thinking he must be lost. He must have lost it while we were gone. Quarantine did not do good on Jesus. <laughs> where do you think the disciples faith and trust is at this point right can you imagine after everything that happened they were commissioned they healed healed the uh, sickness cast out demons then their best friend was killed and now their leader is saying get people in groups of 50 and a hundred, and we're going to feed them with five pieces of bread and two fish. You think their trust is wavering? Their faith is wavering a little bit? It's an interesting question, right? Mm -hmm. I would say mine would be. Mm -hmm. Mine for sure would be. Like, man, we're going to look so stupid right now. You know, who knows what's going to happen right now? What is Jesus going to do? While we're getting people in groups, is Jesus going to go to a mountain real quick? And then what? <laughs> right? <laughs> and where did Jesus go? He's on a mountain again. Oh, great. Okay. Now what? Right? The fascinating thing is, is that the disciples said, okay. The disciples said, yes. And what did they start doing? Oh, they started putting these 5,000 people in groups of 50 and 100. Amazing. They said yes. They said yes to what they had. Hang on to that. They said yes to what they had. And then... What's amazing is Jesus 
prays a blessing over this food. And then, as I've probably said too many times, cloudy with a chance of meatballs happens. And bread and fish start pouring from heaven. It doesn't say that in scripture, but that's my little five-year-old self who envisions that. He's still in there, you know? Five-year-old Lex is still in there. And it literally, all of the food starts showing up. I don't know how it happened. I don't know what it looked like. I don't know if Jesus just kept on walking around a group to group and kept on breaking off bread and com- and the freaking gecko tail would glow- grow back right away on the bread. And then he'd break it off again. And it just kept on whoosh. And then he'd break it off whoosh. And it, it all of, I don't know what it looked like. But I know that it happened. Right? And it, it probably would have been easy for easier for Jesus just to like make it rain, you know? Make it rain bread and fish. It would probably have been easier. It would have been an easier task for him. But in this, it says. Then Jesus started breaking the bread and serving it to the people. So that means Jesus literally broke off bread for 5,000 people and, and gave it to them personally. Can you imagine how long that took? Mm-hmm. This doesn't say that there was an assembly line of people. They were in groups. And this wasn't like a wedding feast where, the, hey, if that song plays, then you come up and that's your table and that means it's time for you to eat. Right? And I think that is a really cute way of doing it. But aside from that. <laughs> Take notes, Katie. Um. So it's fascinating, right? Literally, Jesus walked around group to group, broke off bread, gave it one by one, one by one to each person. Holy crap. Can you imagine what the disciples are thinking right now? Right? And then it says everybody was fed full and satisfied. I don't know about you guys, but that is fascinating to me. And I know it's a very, very common story, but it's fascinating to me. I don't know what that looked like again, but I, all I do know from looking at it enough is that they got into groups, Jesus broke bread and served it one by one. And everybody was fed full and satisfied. Holy crap. The impossible became possible. The impossible in my flesh became possible by the name of Jesus. So I guess the question is, how do I re-ask? Dang it, I blew it. So the question is, how do I react when an impossible comes face to face with me? And what I mean by that is impossible of like doing it on my own strength and my own accord and my own name. 
what happens when that comes face to face with me and I have to do something, right? And a situation of this grandiosement, I guess is a word, sure, of this magnitude is hard for me to even grasp, right? But again, I know it happened because it's in scripture, right? It's hard for me to grasp, but it actually happened. And I, I truly believe that God can turn five loaves and two fish into 5,000 people. So whatever the, did I say it weird? What did I say? Bread into people? Didn't sound weird to me. I do believe that God can turn five loaves and two fish and feed over 5,000 people. Nailed it. So now what's the impossible in your life? Right? What is that impossible thing in your life and how does that look now? after this lens. And I guess to even go deeper tonight, the, the bigger question is how big is your trust and how big is your faith? The disciples did as much as they could, right? It would have been a cooler story if the disciples did it, right? Because <laughs> then it would have been like, okay, I can't eliminate that I can't do it because Jesus is Jesus. But what if Peter did it? You know? What if John just all of a sudden walked out of the tomb with a head on and then did it? You know, would that make it, you know, do you get, do you get what I'm saying? Like, that is fascinating to me. And I, sometimes I discount stories like this just because Jesus did it. And it's like, oh, that's Jesus. He's perfect. There's no way I can live up to something like that. But then I got to thinking, like, isn't Jesus still going to do it? Even if it's done by my hands or by whatever of me, being, of me just being there, isn't Jesus still doing that? Isn't Jesus still going to execute the work? The answer is yes, if you, if you need an answer, right? The answer is still yes, because Jesus is the one who's always going to make his authority and power be known, right? The perspective that's fascinating that's not talked about is what the people were thinking. <laughs> Can you imagine? Could you imagine being in that crowd, seeing these 12 hooligans who just look terrible because they just <laughs> journey and Jesus looks at them and says, ha, why don't you do it then? Hey, go get what you've got. Why don't you feed them? Can you imagine being those people watching this go down? And then can you imagine Jesus, almighty Messiah, coming and breaking bread and handing it to you and saying, hey, there's more than enough. You want seconds? Right? So often we look at it from Jesus' perspective only. And yeah, that's great. There's a lot of cool stuff in there. But then we need to look at it from a disciple's perspective. We need to look at it from like what everybody else was looking at it. They had leftovers too. They had 12 baskets of leftovers. 
So the obvious message in this is, okay, the disciples had big trust, big faith, right? But the second thing is, Jesus is more than enough for anything that we could ever come into contact with. The biggest message that I've come to come to see in my years of studying this is that he took what we had in order to flex his authority. That's fascinating to me. Because for all intents and purposes, the disciples still just have a staff in their hand. The disciples don't have fancy new clothes on. They don't have anything new on. It's all old stuff. And they just have a staff. And they brought Jesus everything that they had. Kind of sounds familiar to a, another story in scripture, which I'll find real quick. Sounds a lot like Moses. Hold on, please hold. I'm almost there. It's towards the front. It's towards the front? What do you mean? This Bible. The oh, yeah. Story. Thank you. So it sounds a lot like Moses. And I'll tie it up with this because I do have some, I do have more time. Yeah. I got about an hour. People are getting hungry though. You getting hungry or are you good? Everybody ate. We're going to need some fruit and fish. Savannah, Savannah made dinner. I had tacos. It was I made shrimp tacos. Ooh. Oh. That sounds excellent. Even after I ate. So, the bigger point I want to make tonight is, yes, faith, trust, correct? We see this, correct? Now, let's look at it from a Moses perspective really, really quick, okay? Because this is really cool. This is, yeah, whatever. Go to Exodus 3. I just love this this truth in scripture that God uses what we have what he's already equipped us with what he's already given to us right the disciples understood this on a whole other level because it said at the beginning of the story that they had nothing but a stick in their hand but they come back at this moment and they have five pieces of bread and two fish and they said that's not ours you see that that that's not ours so we're going to freely give it okay that is really cool um so but i'm gonna move on because that might be a little too convicting for, for you guys so um we'll go verse 11 in exodus 3 but moses said to god oh here let me give you a little recap 
Moses was born. He was hid for three months. He was put in a basket, sent down a river, adopted by Pharaoh's daughter, um, got old enough so that he could work. He saw Egyptians beating um, his people, the, the Hebrew people. Pharaoh went after Moses to try to kill him, and then he ran. Okay? That was pretty good, huh? Yeah. Then Moses encounters a burning bush. The bush speaks to him. He acknowledges it like some weirdo. Um, and then the, no, that wasn't funny. I don't know about you guys, but that would be weird if I acknowledge the speaking bush. All right. Don't freaking shoot me. All right. That would be weird. Okay. Whatever. The bush speaks to him. He acknowledges it, has a conversation, has a back and forth with a burning bush. Um, but then the bush speaks, I am God. And Moses then falls on his feet, uh, falls on his face and hides his face. Okay. Then the Lord says, I've seen the sufferings of my people. And then he says, I'm going to call you to deliver them. Cool. Verse 11. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? He said, but I will be with you. And he, and sorry, and this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Verse 13, then Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they asked me, what is his name? What shall I say to him? And God said in verse 14 to Moses, I am who I am. I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me. Okay, so cool. Yeah, that's freaking the coolest mm -hmm. thing ever. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know about you guys, but that's like the coolest thing ever, I believe, God's ever spoken. Um, you know, like that's Old Testament stuff, and that's freaking dope. Okay, I am who I am, and tell them that I am has sent me. Holy cow, that's freaking mm -hmm. Talk about authority, yes? Yeah. So he says, I will be with you because I am. This will be a sign that I'm with you because I am, and, I, and you will worship me because I am. That is amazing, yes? Mm -hmm. See, what's crazy is that uh, uh, that's like us going up against our worst enemy or that person who continually picks on us, steals from us, and we say, I'm going to take back what is mine because I am has sent me. Imagine coming toe-to-toe -to -toe with a demon and saying, hey, I am a sent me. You got to go. Talk about authority, right? I don't know about you guys, but that sounds so much alike to what Jesus did with his disciples. Hey, all you need to do is name drop me, and you, you're good. All you got to do, you know, all you have to do is say, Jesus. All you have to do is say, I am has sent me. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. But now let's skip to Exodus 4, verse 1. Okay, you can read the rest on your own. It's cool. Okay. Exodus 4, verse 1 and 2. I just want to read this to you. Then Moses answered, but behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice. 
for they will say, the Lord did not appear to you. And the Lord said to them, what is that in your hand? And he said, a staff. And if you fast forward to the end of the story, you know, that staff does a whole lot. But Moses didn't know the end of the story, <laughs> right? Moses had no idea. Like, God, focus back in. <laughs> You're telling me I'm about to go save all of your chosen people. And you're talking about a staff that's in my hand, right? That seems a little weird to me. I don't know about you guys. You know, put yourself in Moses' shoes for a second, correct? But when I read that and Moses replies, a staff, I almost hear it more like this. A staff? Let's read verse three and four. And he said, God said, after he replied, a staff, God then says, throw it on the ground. <laughs> right? Set the scene here. Can you imagine being Moses at this moment? Right? <laughs> hey, 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 Moses, you're going to go deliver all of people from Egypt against Pharaoh. Um, whoa. All right. Cool. Yeah. What's that in your hand? A staff. Great. Uh, now throw it on the ground. Okay. See how weird this is? Maybe not. And he said, throw it on the ground. So Moses threw it on the ground. And guess what? It became a serpent. And then Moses ran from it. Love seeing the humanness of Moses. Yeah. Everything else is Moses, like Ten Commandments, Moses coming down from a mountain glowing. Um, and then he runs from a little snake, which he was once quote unquote holding, you know? So Moses runs from it. And the Lord said, Moses, put out your hand and catch it by the tail. Catch it by the tail. So he put out his hand and caught it. And then it became a staff in his hand again. So, yes, again, we see Moses' humanness, and he flees from a snake like any natural human being does. <laughs> yes, they are demonic, I believe. <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> I hate snakes. I was going to say, that's when I poop my pants. I hate snakes. Okay. That's when I poop my <laughs> But then even more so, Moses runs from the snake. Then the Lord says, no, 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 go grab it by its tail. Which, yeah, I don't know if you know anything about snakes, but if you grab something by its tail, that means it's got full motion with its head. Which means then it's freaking pouncing at your throat and then killing you. Correct? That's the way it yeah. goes. You don't see freaking crocodile, dun I mean, that's not, doesn't work. You don't see those uh, reptile people grab snakes by the tail, do you? Mm -hmm. Steve Irwin did. <laughs> Yeah, the reason these, uh, yeah. Too soon. Okay. That sounds like something me and my buddies would do. 
back in the day of like, hey, man, go grab that snake by, its, by the tail, <laughs> right? <laughs> go do it, man. Oh, you're a pansy. Go do it, right? That sounds like something me and my friends would do. But that means snake can get you. Yes? Mm-hmm. Okay. Now let's read. Let's continue. Oh, oh, and uh, before I forget, the snake turns back into that same staff. Okay? So staff is back. Cool. Six through eight. In what chapter? First uh, chapter. Six through eight. Again, the Lord said to him, put your hand inside your cloak. And he put his hand, and Moses put his hand inside of his cloak. And when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous, like snow. Oh, my gosh. Then God said, put your hand back inside your cloak. So he put his hand back inside the cloak. And when he took it out, behold, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. And then, verse 8, if they will not believe you, God said, or listen to the first sign that they may believe the latter sign. Okay, how cool, right? Can you imagine this happening? Again, leprosy, then normal, (coughs) or normal, then leprosy, then normal, right? Mm -hmm. Imagine this, like to your own hand? Nope. Not somebody else's hand, yours. (laughs) just because you put it inside of your jacket the thing i want to focus on is amazing and it's god was saying what is in your hand sometimes we pray over and over for god to give us something in a season and hoping for some kind of breakthrough almost begging that he would give us more trust, almost begging that he would give us more faith. But the amazing thing is, it's already in our hand. So now let's jump to Exodus 14. Okay, turn to Exodus 14. I'm almost done, guys. Just bear with me. Okay, Exodus 14, verse 12. And it says, Everybody there? Exodus 14, verse 12. It says, It's not this what we said to you in Egypt. Let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For it would be better for us to serve the Egyptians than for us to die in the wilderness. So this is the people he's leading out, correct? Mm-hmm. And they're like, sweet, Moses. Thanks for leaving us out here to die. It would have been better for us to sleep. Right? That's what they're saying to him. And then verse 13, it goes on, and it says, where? And Moses said to the people, fear not. Stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. And And for the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. Despite Moses not, having no idea what's coming next, he says, do not fear, stand firm. Mm-hmm. 
right? Nowhere in the scripture, the Lord says, hey, hey, this is how it's going to go down. Here's the play-by-play, right? All Moses needed to hear is that hey, you're going to deliver my people. Mm-hmm. That's all he needed to hear. And he says, okay, fear not, stand firm. And he projects it, prophesies it over the rest of the group that he's leading out. What a faith. What a trust in God Almighty. Right? As if speaking through a burning bush, a a staff turning into a snake, a hand turning leprous, and then going back to normal wasn't enough. He still declares, boom, have faith. Do not fear. Stand firm. All right, verse 14. The Lord will fight for you. And you have only to be silent. Then 15, the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. (laughs) That's amazing. The Lord says to Moses, why do you cry to me? Moses prays, and the Lord says, why are you talking to me at this moment? Am I, we're reading the same thing, right? Some of you mm-hmm. guys look at me like, what, Lex? Yeah, I'm, hey, you're reading it with me. Look at it. Do I need to read it again? No, you can read. Look at it. That's amazing. The Lord says, why are you talking to me about this? Because the amazing thing is, the staff was already in his possession. You know, we, we, we rewind in this story. We rewind all the way back. And God says, what's in your hand? A staff. And it's all coming back now, right? It's all coming back to Moses. And, you know, that, the whole thing, uh, that traumatic moment was, <laughs> you know, when his hand turns leprous and a snake that he flees from. It's all coming back. And he remembers those words, what is in your hand? That's wild to me, right? Mm-hmm. All the way back in chapter three, the Lord showed him the breakthrough was through the staff. The staff was already in his possession but forgets what it was truly for. You know, Moses wasn't just carrying around a staff just to look Moses-like, right? He was carrying around a staff staff because God told him to, because God gave it to him. Get up here, come here. Put those umbrellas away. Sometimes I think we forget God's promises and the gifts that he's already given to us. He showed Moses the staff the same way he showed you something a very, very long time ago so that you could stand on those shoulders of trust and faith. And you see, I believe that every single one of us is on the brink of seeing what that thing is for and the breakthrough that the Lord has promised. Right? So if you know the story, the sea divided. Right? The parting of the sea. 
which is something we just, oh, cool. It's just a Sunday <laughs> Bible story. But I don't know about you guys. Moses literally just put his staff in the ground and the sea parted. That happened. That like legitimately happened. Like that, it just wasn't like a drought. And then all of a sudden there was no water there where it should be. It was, he literally struck the ground with the staff and then wham, the sea parted. And I believe that's a prophetic symbol of the sea dividing is just like something is about to part ways and you're going to just prance on through into your promised area as well. where all the fear, crap, everything else is going to be washed away in the sea. It's pretty awesome, right? Okay. So why am I bringing this up in the context of faith and trust? Oh, because that's all that story's about. Correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Jesus sent his disciples, his apostles, right? If we know the correct definition of apostle, it means what? I can give like an explanation. I just don't know if you're looking for like a word. You know it. Okay. Well, then I'll just go for it and we'll see if I'm right. Thank you. Um, an apostle is like someone who's responsible for instilling the culture of one place into a new place um, so that the leader of that old place feels as comfortable in that space as they did in where they came from exactly they're a sent one right they're sent by a leader to prepare for the leader correct mm -hmm. i don't know if you guys realize but jesus actually sent the disciples those apostles and he was later going to visit those areas okay that's why they're called apostles. Because exactly what Jaden said, this is a, it's a term that was used back in the day. It's not a Christian term. It's just a term that Jesus used. I'm not going to say stole. I wanted to, but that he used in order to instill a kingdom culture into those areas that he sent his apostles. Right? Mind-blowing. All they had, a staff. Hmm. All they had was to go on the word of Jesus saying, hey, you're going to go cast out demons. You're going to go heal the sick, and you're going to go lead people to repentance. That's all, he, all, that's all they had. You see the beauty in this. You see how much Jesus can do even when we think we've got nothing in the world's standards. Isn't that cool? I get a little excited tonight, right? Like he's already given to you what he needs you to do. He's already entrusted you with what he's commissioned you to do. It's, it's a big setup. He set you up for success. Because I am is with you. 
because Jesus is with you. Right? Like, I don't know about you guys, but that adds just a whole nother layer of confidence to what I'm, what I'm trying to do. Right? Even when other people come against me, even when other people think I'm a weirdo, then boom, I remember that. I remember what the Lord has called me to. I remember what he's told me to do. And he's placed it in my possession. It might look different than yours. Great. That should. <laughs> it better. It'd be weird if we were all a bunch of people commissioned to do Lex's ministry. That would be freaking bizarre. That would suck. Oh, but the Lord has placed something on your life to say, hey, it's already there. You just need to remember 10 chapters ago. You just need to remember nine chapters ago, whatever that looks like. Because he's already given you that staff, and you already knew that that staff had something to do with something. Because God doesn't just notice things without pointing them out. Right? Just like when the queen of Sheba came to visit King Solomon's, right? She noticed the stairs. She, she noticed the stairs in the palace. Nothing else, just the stairs. And she believed that there was a God, right? The Lord has placed things on all of our lives that he's just waiting for us to use. How? Big trust, big faith. Moses had big trust, big faith, right? He led an entire nation. I don't know how many people. Everybody's got a different opinion on how many people, right? He led an entire nation out to a promised land that was flowing with milk and honey. Same way Jesus commissioned and fed 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish by just a yes, by just an okay. Why? Because of big trust and big faith. How? Because of the authority of Jesus, because of the authority of I am. Like, I find a lot of peace in that, right? Some of you guys get annoyed with me because I just keep on yelling, stop being fearful. Stop being, stop being anxious. Stop being stressed. Stop. Don't do it. Don't fall into it. And saying, stand firm, you get annoyed with me. Imagine how you would have felt if Moses said it to you. Imagine how the disciples felt when Jesus said, hey, you feed those people right? All of this is a big setup to make Jesus known. And what a better, what a, what a better thing to be a part of. There's nothing better than that. Right? That's pretty cool. Chose us, us little people, you know, to say, Hey, I want you to go change the culture that you're in for the kingdom. I want you to go tell every single person about the gospel, to cast out demons and heal the sick and anoint everybody with an oil, right? Whatever that looks like. 
you know doesn't have to be doesn't have to be all extravagant and boomy like you see in whatever but it, it hey it's an obedience thing right it's an obedience thing it's a yes and an okay maybe this is maybe this is a better title for this message yes okay 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 oh, okay there yes is. thank you yeah yes cool now you know what comes next oh actually before that uh let me pray for you cool holy spirit i pray that you would release this over every single person's life tonight I pray that you would remind them of their life 10 chapters ago, of what you already placed in their placed in their midst and that Lord, you would remind them and that they would walk in an authority because I am and Jesus has sent them. Lord, I pray that you would bring a great excitement to this area. I pray that you would just bring a level of urgency in this area as you will. And Lord, I pray that by the works of every single person in this room that more and more would come to know you. That more and more would be, uh, would be healed. That more and more would be delivered. That more and more would be led to repentance and let, fall in love with you on a whole nother level, Jesus. So Lord, I, I pray that you would just release this, that you would pass this mantle on to every single person tonight. And that you would increase their faith, that you would give them a whole nother level of faith, a whole nother measure of faith, as you say in Romans 12. And Lord, I pray that our trust would not waver despite anything that we're going through. Our trust would be, would be firm in the foundation of who you say and what you've already tried, what you've already said. So Lord, we, we love you. We, we, we say yes and okay tonight. We say just the same thing that Isaiah said, here I am, send me. Lord, I pray that you would release that urgency over every single person in this chat tonight. I pray that you would lay in a level of urgency on every single heart and mind tonight. That when we hear your voice, that when you speak, we say yes and okay. Mm. Here I am, send me. And Lord, that you would remind us of what you've already placed on our lives. Or Lord, I pray that you would place things on our lives. That you would give us new authority. Yeah, Lord, we just love you. We thank you for your word that it is living and breathing. That it still speaks to us today, even, even thousands of years later. And Lord, I pray that you, would, that you would continue to illuminate this truth to us throughout the rest of the week and on. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay.